Welcome to another episode of Mount Davis. You are here with your host, Mount. And today's podcast, I have my good friend, Alex. Alex, you want to introduce yourself? What's up, everyone? My name is Alex. And uh, let's see. So as far as baseball goes, I'm not too educated on that. So yeah, I was going to ask. Interesting one today. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, uh, how far does your baseball experience go? You got a little t-ball in you? I think I played for maybe half of a season when I was about seven or eight years old. And besides that, <laughs> I do not have any experience with baseball. I haven't really watched it much. Been to quite a few Giants games, so I know that's kind of blasphemous to say. On Mount's podcast here, but <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a diehard Ace fan, so you know how that goes. Um, <clears throat> today, yeah, we're basically gonna go into the MLB lockout today, and this is a very confusing process for a lot of fans, really, because, well, to be frank, this is the first uh, labor stoppage in like the social media era, so it's like a pretty interesting one in terms of like setting precedents and. Just a lot of fans, especially the younger ones, are clueless as to how this process works and what is really going on behind the scenes Um, because it's a very, like, exclusive process that's only, like, really allowed to, like, the representatives of these, like, labor groups, basically. But, um, yeah, this is a very confusing process, and I'm actually really mad that it's in a labor stoppage right now. And I'm gonna need a lot of beer to explain it. <laughs> um, I'm at yeah. This is like a I'm I'm very livid at this. So what exactly is the labor stoppage being caused by? Are they protesting because they want higher pay, or I don't even oh, know. I've heard the terms MLB lockout before. I know it was a thing forever ago. So let me like the deal this time. Let- let me get this joint lit. But basically, every five years, the MLB owners and the players meet up for their uh, collective bargaining agreement, basically. They basically discuss, you know, uh, salaries, benefits, working conditions, uh, the basic, you know, collective bargaining discussions. And what people don't seem to realize is this is a very, like, legal process. It's basically all litigation to where it's not where the owners and players are, like, face-to-face and, you know, they're just, like, spouting back and forth, like, what they want to happen. No, they got, like, these representative groups that meet up. The owners give the players a proposal. And let me get – let me, like, paint this to, like – perspective uh the proposal's like three inches thick so it's like it's nothing like 
you know, a simple essay of what the owners want this season or this like collective bargaining agreement, I guess. And basically that party sends it to the players union party and um, they have to confer with the players and then basically go back and forth over months, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, usually, this collective bargaining agreement goes out off without a hitch, you know. Um, they usually set the precedent with the last one, and they kind of go off based off of that one. But this year's collective bargaining uh, agreement uh, kind of Kind of, it's a little different than the previous ones, and it's not as extreme to the point where there was a strike in 1994, um, because there was no World Series champion in the 1994 uh, MLB season because the players went on strike and there was no postseason. Did they play the regular season and then went on strike, or did they just not play the season at all? So yeah, this is where we're getting the term lockout. Um, ever since then. The players went on strike mid-season. So they decided, like, hey, we're going to go into this season with the previous uh, CBA, we'll call it now, collective bargaining agreement. We're going to go into the 1994 season with the previous CBA to kind of appease the owners for now. And then right before they were about to get to playoffs, they were like, yeah, we're not we're not playing any more games. <laughs> I guess and that's that, a good way to get more fan support. Yeah, yeah, that lasted for about nine. I think that lasted for about nine months. Um, and so ever since then, what happens now is a lockout. And what I mean by lockout is like literally the owners are locking the players out of the facilities. They literally can't speak to any like representatives of the team like let's say a team was injured or or no let's say a player was injured and they were like rehabbing they couldn't even speak to the team doctors for their like rehab and stuff like that right now as of right now because the owners are locking them out to kind of like put pressure on them to kind of like give in to their negotiations so it's a literal lockout that's happening before the season starts in order to prevent games from being going on strike throughout in the middle of the season. I mean, that makes sense that they'd want to have it happen beforehand. Cause like I said, it gives the players a lot more support. If the fans are kind of rallying behind them mid season after they're already invested in that season. Exactly. They before they can get that out of the way. And uh, in previous, you know, negotiations, ever since like the 70s, I want to say from the 70s to the 90s, the players had a lot of the power because, you know, they threatened to go on strike a lot of the time and like the owners just didn't want to deal with all that. So so the players had a lot of the like negotiating power throughout this time until the 90s rolled around. And that's when the owners started getting more, more and more power and in the 1994 season, the owners wanted to implement a salary cap in baseball. Um, and if, if you don't know how, uh, how the salary cap is set up in baseball right now, it's not really a hard salary cap. It's more of a luxury tax. And it's progressive over the years. So I believe that right now it's at like 205 to 10 million payroll for a team. 
after that you get taxed a little bit less than half per dollar uh you spend after that basically i think it's like 47 percent. I'm, I'm i'm just like making numbers up but it's around 50 percent. so it's not um, a hard cap but if you go past it then you have to pay more yeah you have to pay a little more but in comparison to like the nba's luxury tax it's basically dollar for dollar in the nba versus in the mlb it's a little less than 50 percent um so it like it doesn't really penalize the big uh name teams like the dodgers and the yankees who spend 250 million a year yeah so that's Um, how the yankees and the dodgers are always great yeah, because they have like a big fan base that like buy their merchandise and tickets every year and stuff like that. I'm gonna get to like a big conspiracy about that, by the way, later on in the podcast. Oh yeah. But um, the reason why this like labor dispute is like seems so recent is because in the 2020 season, the uh, the the players and the owners had to basically have a mini labor negotiation right before the season started to kind of like agree upon the terms of how the players were going to get paid for a shortened season. And the owners wanted to implement a lot of new rules that they basically kind of wanted to implement now in this uh, current CBA that's being formed. The only thing that they were able to experiment on was like a expanded playoff basically. And that's where we're going to get to what the owners want and what the players want right here. Okay. Uh, just to just to put it into plain terms right now, the owners really just want an expanded playoffs. I believe they want up to 14 teams in the playoffs because um, during the regular season, teams get a, a, a shared percentage of broadcast revenues throughout the regular season. But in the postseason – Broadcast revenues go directly to the teams that are playing. Um, so they get a big percentage of postseason revenue in terms of regular season revenue. So a lot of teams basically just want a bigger postseason so they could get more money. Right. And that's that's basically all the owners want. They're squeezing in a whole bunch of new stuff. Like they want to cut the minor league uh, the minor league system to 150 players instead of 180. So trying to cut 30, 30 employees per team. Um, and there's like usually four minor league teams and each team has like, you know, 25, 26 men, blah, blah, blah. Um, and in between, but uh, they're, they're basically trying to fill in a lot of requests like, uh, a pitch clock, a universal designated hitter, um, just certain things that they're trying to push because they think they could get away with, basically. That's what the owners want is pitch clock and hitter? Yeah, they're basically just trying to make the game shorter and they're trying to make a lot more money while doing so. Um, they're also trying to – well <laughs> – in terms of buying players, the owners, um, the owners' goal when buying players is to buy players that outperform their contract. Makes sense. And the way that is set up right now, they 
they have players in their clubhouse that are young and good, and they have them until they're 29, up until they, you know, they can make a lot of money. And then, you know, they go into free agency and then they make their money, I guess. But uh, this is where we shift into what the players want. The players actually want to hit free agency earlier so that players that hit their prime earlier, like let's say a Juan Soto or a Bryce Harper or, you know, Carlos Correa could enter into a free agency early and therefore make a lot more money in their, in their younger years rather than when they're like 30 plus years. So because, how long are the rookie contracts or like the early contracts? So arbitration is entered after the third year uh, after you're drafted. And basically that's when the team decides if they want to really invest into you or kind of just like trade you away for assets. Um, and then uh, they could decide to give you a big contract then or wait till free agency to see how you developed if you're not good enough. Um, and that's when basically a player has to prove himself in free agency. But the arbitration is entered at three years and then free agency is entered at six. What the players want is arbitration entered at two years and free agency entered at somewhere closer in between four to six years or they're trying to do something of a system of whatever comes first you know if you get if you hit free agency at a younger time it's because you're good and or you know you don't develop to your like 30 or whatever um But the owners want to keep it the same. The arbitration will probably stay the same, but I think free agency will probably go down to maybe like four years, maybe. So the the arbitration period will be a lot less or a lot shorter, basically. Mm -hmm. There's a rookie that got called up this year for the Rays. He just got signed to like a 13-year, $250 million contract. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow and that's like a lot of money for a rookie but like 13 years over your career yeah, you know crazy. that's like your whole career probably basically and it's like that's when he entered arbitration like the race paid him when he entered arbitration because this guy was like a generational talent i guess you're gonna hear a lot more of him in the coming years his name is wander franco okay. um he's gonna he's gonna be one of those bryce harper dudes that you hear so mike trout saying- type dudes oh, so you're saying that he would not want a contract like that he would rather have a shorter contract with less money so that if he does outperform the amount that he's being paid that he could get potentially get more exactly um but that's only with those dudes that are like really good obviously like this dude got paid like a ridiculous contract at a really young age but if he let's say he would have declined that offer and would have it waited till his free agency year he probably got he probably could have got somewhere closer to like eight to ten year for 350 million or something like that oh, wow. because he would have like shown probably like shown up and like you know hit hella home runs and become a fucking mike trout type player to where he could like go into free agency early and be like yeah i'm worth this much money already uh, are you going to pay me $350 million in 10 years? Maybe. Um, uh, but yeah, that's basically what they want. And 
there's a whole bunch of other stuff. And and basically the dispute has come to this. The the players put out an ultimatum that is today to, as of today that if the season doesn't start on time that they will not give in to the expanded playoffs which the owners really want. And that's that's what the players are using as their bargaining chip right now. You um, said the expanded playoffs would be 14 teams. That's what they're aiming at right now. I believe, I believe I believe it was 10 last year. Um, if you were to add those uh, four more teams to the playoffs, uh, you would have had the Seattle Mariners, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Cincinnati Reds, and some other team I forgot. Um, but it would have been a good addition to what there would have been. But there's an argument from the players that it makes it makes teams less competitive. Therefore, owners are um, incentivized to spend less on their teams for putting out uh, a middle-of-the-road offense and defense, you know, every year in terms of actually trying to, like, win 90 games a season. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of – works the same way as in the NFL where if you're in a bad division then you don't have to be that good so it kind of just lowers the standard for what it takes to make the playoffs for everyone so they don't have to try as hard but at the same time it makes it so that these few super teams like we talked about with the Yankees and the Dodgers that are always good where they will have less of a super team potential because they have an easier chance of making the playoffs, even if they aren't quite as good. And that's a good point you bring, because this is like a general problem with these labor negotiations is that there's a lot of parties trying to be appeased. Now there's a big clause in these negotiations where teams are trying to get rid of the, the tanking problem in baseball. In baseball, if you tank, you're guaranteed the top draft pick. It's no lottery system, nothing like oh, yeah. that. If you're the worst team, you get the top draft pick, no matter yeah, what. I don't, like <laughs> I don't like that in football. I don't like that here. I like the way the NBA does it. Yeah, and that's what a lot of players are trying to mold it after, the NBA like draft lottery and stuff like that. Uh, but the like the problem with tanking teams is that like owners are more than happy to put out you know a bad product on the field if it means you know in like i guess investing in their farm system um to them it's like a win because at the same time as they're bad they could promise their fans that like hey we're getting these like you know top draft picks and we're investing in our farm system so like if you stick to us and keep coming to games and keep investing in our team you'll we'll put out a product in like five to ten years where you know we'll actually probably like win some games you know oh, yeah. the jacksonville <laughs> so, jaguars approach right now <laughs> yeah and it's like hey you know we're, we suck but in a few years we'll be good you know that's the whole approach trust the process right <laughs> and uh, so basically, um, the players. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who wants this, but I believe there's like a big negotiation for like a minimum salary cap 
in the MLB, which is set want to be set at a hundred million because you have teams spending like forty million dollars right now <laughs> on a Wait, payroll what? for their entire yeah. roster. They for, spend forty million. That's a dude. Wander Franco will make more money in a year. The Rays player that I just talked about, he'll make like twenty six million in a year. He'll make more money than like the. <laughs> Than like the uh, 2019 2020 Rays roster combined what? in one year. Yeah, like <laughs> it was so yeah. funny how, how like, because the Rays were always like, you know, uh, they, they, they're killing the game with their analytics right now to the point where they're spending less money to put out a good product. They made it to a World Series on like a, a third less salary than the Dodgers when they played them. Oh, yeah. They're like the Moneyball 2.0, you know, how the A's were in 2002. What, what, what were we talking about uh, just then? Uh, oh, there's a lot of groups to be appeased um, or appealed to, and it's just hard to, you know, get all the groups happy at once to – because you get a lot of groups left out. At the end of the day, you only need 23 owners and 600 players to ratify a CBA. Oh yeah. Out of the 12 out of the 1300 players and 30 owners. I mean that's still a good majority. Yeah. Um another thing I wanted to talk about is like the whole media influence in this whole thing now the whole cba doesn't really include the fans now there can be like media bias towards certain groups right right but this is where the players come at a disadvantage obviously the players want to paint the owners as like the bad guys right of course but if i were to ask you how many mlb owners can you name like, who would you go after if these players, like, said the owners are bad? They they do a good job at staying hidden. I honestly only know two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any. <laughs> yeah, like, even the average, like, MLB fan probably can't even name 10 off the top of their head. Yeah, meanwhile, um, for football, it's huge, and you hear about it all the time, who the owner of each given team is. Yeah, and it's like... These guys are too big to fail in terms of, like, you know, trying to get canceled or trying to uh, paint a bias around them, you know. They have ways of influencing the media without, you know, putting their face out in public. (laughs) Yeah, they can just pay off the media, give them good coverage. And that's another thing with these CBAs is that at the, mo- at the end of the day, they're just trying to appeal the top majority of players. The owners are just trying to appeal to the top majority of players to ratify CBA and kind of forget the rest of the party. Um, because, you know, an owner's investment lifetime with a team is way more than, like, a player's career, you know? So... In terms of like waiting out negotiations and stuff like that, the owners have a lot more patience. Yeah, but they also wouldn't have patience if all of a sudden the players refuse to play. 
and with that they stop making money and they still have to pay for the stadiums and all that and that's another thing of why the players uh ultimatum of if we don't start the season on time you don't get the expanded playoffs was so important because uh statistically over the years uh april and april i guess the first month of the mlb season is the worst month attendance wise in 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 the season so the owners in a sense have in their head that like hey it's okay we could we could miss the first month of the season and still be okay if we have like these expanded playoffs and stuff like that um right but like that's that's where the players are like nah if we don't start the season on time you don't you don't get your playoffs And then that's when the, the, the players could threaten to go on strike. But the players would rather guarantee their paycheck right now. And I, I believe both parties don't want to lose money after the horrendous 20, or the 2019-2020 season that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and they lost a lot of money that year. So they don't want to go through that again so, or so shortly after. <laughs> So I believe baseball will get paid on played on March thirty first. Is that when it's supposed to start? Yeah. Uh, um, spring training was supposed to start, I think, like this last weekend, and or at least uh, catchers and pitchers were supposed to report, but they pushed spring training to March fifth. We'll see how that goes. At the end of the day, you only need about like three weeks to ramp up for a season. So they, 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 the hard deadline is probably like a week and a half, two weeks away. But they have a hard deadline of February twenty eighth, of that they have to get like some sort of thing drafted if they want to have the season start on time. Even then, that's not even like a hard deadline, you know. Oh yeah. So why else would the players not want the extended playoffs? Is it just because of the decreased competition? It brings more money into the owners' pockets. And it doesn't give the players any more money? No, it goes goes straight to the team. It doesn't even go to the players. Oh, okay. Um, Because I was thinking that they would still get like a percentage or like bonuses for making the playoffs, similar to how like the men's U.S. soccer team gets paid entirely based on whether or not they win so if so they the, play more games and win more games and get farther in the playoffs then they they make more money the u.s the men's u.s soccer team but yeah so baseball so there is contract incentives in 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 terms of like you know if you win a world series or if you make it to the postseason this many times blah 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 there are those incentives in contracts to the point where players do get bonuses when they get you know, to the postseason and stuff like that. But the amount of money that teams make during the postseason to like the amount that the players are getting compensated is nowhere near like, you know, proportional. Right. Um, and, and players know that. So they're trying to use that as like leverage tools towards their like, we want the minimum salary to be, you know, 650,000. Uh, and we want like arbitration to enter at four years instead of six or, or no, like free agency at four years instead of six and uh, stuff like that, basically. And they're willing to like, you know, give up those, I guess, 
unproportional uh, um, money for the team, I guess, to to get these, I guess, perks. Um, what worries me is that these these issues that we're talking about, they're not hard to fix, you know? They're really dragging out this like whole process and it makes me worry that like the players and the owners are not really in a good standpoint right now. And this was the case in 1994 because in 1994 it was discovered that all the owners were colluding to the point where they couldn't sign players if they didn't have the okay from their previous team. And it turned out that one of the top free agents of that like year, Kirk Gibson, uh, you might remember him. He hit a lot of home runs in the 90s. But uh, he only got one offer, and it was from his previous team. <laughs> because his previous team didn't say that he could get off. Yeah, because he was like, yeah, we still want him. So I was like, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> but that was found out and that that's where like the players were like well why are you guys colluding to like you know sign free agents at cheaper money you know yeah, that's ridiculous obviously if you're not gonna if you're not getting other offers from other teams the team that wants you is gonna pay you whatever they want yeah um, it's like you have you have your choice of either playing for that team or you're done exactly yeah. and so this is where we're going to get into this, like, conspiracy talk. All right. So you, I'm going to smoke a bowl before we start this. Um, so let's segue. Let's segue into something. Uh, Champions League is on right now. You keeping up with soccer at all? I have not been watching any sports since the, the Super Bowl. There's like, hockey? Not even hockey? Not even hockey. I haven't but what you been up to? I've just been working and doing music stuff, so it's been That's trying to finish sick, up bro. some songs. Still working on recording vocals, all that. Yo, uh, if you have any social media platforms, you could feel free to plug it here. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get it all set up. I'm still not, still not there yet. Not quite. Yeah, that's the same. Out. That's no, the I've same with my old stuff. So that's the same thing with this podcast. Like, I'm doing this for fun mostly, and let's just say I've been reinvigorated in the last month to where I'm actually like studying and keeping up with news and sports news and stuff like that. That's great. Um, I'm I'm still like not. I haven't bet in a while, but I've been keeping up with like betting lines and stuff like that and trends patterns um mostly just working on the strategy aspect of it and i guess theoretically betting on this app but uh <laughs> it's going well, well you're not i'm betting doing more that's good but yeah not betting actual money right now because i don't actually have a lot of money to bet with so <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it um yeah so uh bet responsibly bet responsibly guys <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm doing really good in like the soccer aspect of it. Like, I think I'm like nine and two in the last week in soccer picks. And two of those picks were like 
plus 550 and plus 750. And just to put that in perspective, that's like five times your money and seven times your money. Yeah. And just to be, just to be able to give those picks out, straight picks, just at plus plus money, you know, that's crazy. <laughs> but I've been racking it up, you know, uh, in soccer. That's pretty that's much it. Basketball's whatever. Yeah, I haven't been watching any hockey personally because they changed the entire way that you can even watch hockey with an ESPN Plus subscription. You have to have that for certain games. So I can't even guarantee that I could watch every Sharks game. Some will be like blacked out. <laughs> it's just not on TV. Like you yeah. have to pay for ESPN Plus and watch it there. So I'm just like, well, if I can't watch all the games, it's like guaranteed on TV, then like I'm not even going to follow it. Damn. Oh, it also well. saves a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch hockey if, if, you know, there was just like five minute intermission periods. <laughs> yeah, the intermissions are too long. <laughs> I guess it's for all the fans to go get their beer or something. Yeah, it's necessary. Uh, yeah, so basically the last section of this podcast, we're just going to get into this nice juicy conspiracy talk. And I really want you to like paint. I want you to like just paint a picture of what I'm going to tell you and see if it's just like logical, I guess. Is this your own theory? This is my own theory. I haven't I haven't like read anyone on this. I have read a few things on the things that I'm going to talk about, but no one has said that they've correlated, you know. We'll start with 2017. And I know you remember 2017 because we'll start with the World Series. That was the World Series between the Dodgers and the Astros. Oh, yeah. That was a controversial one. That was the one where that was that one crazy game that ended like 12 to 11. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but it was just back and forth the whole time. The Dodgers would go up. The Astros would come back. The Astros would go up. The Dodgers would come back. The Dodgers would hit a home run. The Astros would hit more home runs. <laughs> the one that I talked about, the conspiracy, where like at one point the score was nine to eleven, and George yeah, Bush yeah, was the one exactly. The that, was, that was that ex- was <laughs> the exact game you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> that exactly, George Bush threw the first pitch, and the score at one point was nine to eleven, <laughs> and uh, I think the Astros ended up winning twelve to eleven or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, that was the year. Juiced balls got introduced to baseball. In that year specifically, there were a lot of like overs and stuff like that. Uh, Mostly just a lot of home runs. The home run record, Aaron Judge had like fucking, you know, I think like 50 plus home runs. He had like 60 something, I think. I don't know. His rookie year, he was just hitting home runs left and right. Because the balls were juiced, basically. That was the year he won the MVP over Jose Altuve. Oh, no. No, no, no. Jose Altuve won the MVP over Aaron Judge. But Aaron Judge had, like, a crazy rookie season. Uh, What made the balls juiced? juiced? I have no idea, to be honest. There was just, like, uh, I guess a different uh, production process. There is 
people actually trying to get to the bottom of this where they've like cut open different balls from different years. Mm-hmm. And there's it's actually like helium or something. <laughs> Uh, most I think most of them are like cork balls with like yarn or something like that. I don't, I I don't know how they're made right now, but let's just say these balls were juiced. Okay, that continued up until the pandemic, right? And right before the no, they, yeah, that continued into the pandemic. They used the balls during the pandemic season, but in the playoffs, they switched the balls again to something that allowed, uh, well, basically more defensive things to happen. Uh, balls were kept in play, you know, more outs were doing or were being uh, kept, um, you know, lower scoring games. And this was all because it was like the short pandemic season. So they were kind of like experimenting with this. Yeah. Now, over the years, the word has got out. So from 2017 to 2020, the word has gone out that MLB is putting these like, you know, juice balls that fly further into the game. So pitchers kind of get a note of this and try to overcorrect for what is going on. So if the MLB is going to try and get more ratings by um, increasing, you know, the runs in the game, the offense in the game to try and get more people to watch, I guess, then pitchers were like, fine, we're going to take matters into our own hands and use foreign stuff substances. And that's where this big debate happened last year where foreign substances were all over the media. Pitchers using foreign substances blah 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 what are, what types of foreign substances like is that like the tar Bas- that uh, that, that, yes that was the basic form of it in the early 2000s pine tar is what was used i guess is a mixture of like the the rosin in the chalk bags and stuff and uh like sunscreen and like some some other sticky stuff uh but this is where I get to Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer. Uh, in this time period, let's say the 2017-2020 era of the juice ball era, Garrett Cole got paid a really hefty contract by the Yankees. Uh, I think it was like $324 million. Um, because... Garrett Cole used these foreign substances to enhance his career, basically. Uh, from as soon as he got to the Astros, he started using these like substances, I guess, because a lot of teams kind of, you know, relied that way. And Astros already have a history of cheating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, yeah. But he used these foreign substance to increase his spin rate and therefore become one of the like deadliest pitchers of all time. His his fastball is in the high 100s, 100, 101 usually, and his like spin rate is up there in the 3000s. Um, Trevor Bauer pointed this out. He was an also a good pitcher, but he pointed this out to the MLB, but no one kind of batted an eye at the time. You know, they were too busy with the juice ball era, and they're like, oh, if you use foreign substances, it's okay, you know. 
but they didn't really say that. They just implied it. But Trevor Bauer was like, fine, you guys aren't going to bat an eye if my counterpart is using a substance to enhance his play, then I'm going to do it too. And Trevor Bauer became the highest paid pitcher in all of baseball in 2020 because he actually hired scientists to engineer the best substance to like get more spin on a baseball. (laughs) No way. Like he had a, a, a substance like specifically engineered basically and in the baseball world, when you're buying a pitcher and you know that he has a formula for this substance that is better than all the other substances out there, you're going to pay top money for that pitcher because he's going to give that substance to all your other pitchers. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, this one dude joining your team makes everyone better. And guess what? As soon as Trevor Bauer joined the Dodgers, what do you think happened to all the other pitchers' spin rates? They all greatly improved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so how that, is this flying? Like, why does this fly? How is this allowed? This is where we're getting. This is where the new the, – this is where we're getting to 2020-2021 season. So, up until this point, up until the 2019-2020 season – you know, juice balls were being used. Uh, pitchers were using banned substances to get more spin rate to try and combat this inflated numbers to their ERAs because obviously hitters are going to be hitting more home, home runs off them if the, the balls that are usually pop-outs fly out of the yard, you know? So they are like, kind of insulted that, like, why are you guys, like, using our stats – as like uh you know to compensate for these like games these high scoring games and that's why they started using the foreign substances because they're like we want to compensate for what you guys are doing to us i guess but in the 2020-21 season uh they decided to use this uh okay so <laughs> In that pandemic season, when they experimented with the expanded playoffs, they switched the balls to that more defensive ball that I told you about. They they went back from the juice balls to balls that stayed in the yard, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, uh, low scoring games, high defensive games, closer games to make it more like impactful, I guess. There weren't blowouts, basically, is what, what you were saying. Um, but they decided to stick with this ball into the 2020-21 season. And combined with the pitchers using foreign substances, it led for a record amount of, like, low-scoring games <laughs> to the point where there were seven perf- or no-hitters, seven no-hitters in, in the first two months of the season. What? In April and May, there were seven, like, six or seven no-hitters. And the media was starting to take notice and people were starting to take notice. And that's why the whole controversy started around pitchers using foreign substances, because like on top of that, the ball was also changed to like to like help, I guess, to have these low scoring games. Yes. Is that the original one before? So, they... so for the for the uh, COVID playoffs, they switched to 
uh, a normal ball, I guess you could say, away from the juice ball. And they decided to stick with that ball into the next season, the regular 2020-21 season. And uh, because the pitchers were using foreign substances up to that point because of the whole last three years, because of the whole juice ball thing, combined with the new ball, it led to a record amount of like these like no hitter games and like when 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 the ball has more spin it's just harder to hit generally because it it has more movement laterally than it does like you know uh uh speed wise you know they say that it's harder to hit a 95 mile per hour fastball with more spin than it is to hit on a 100 mile per hour fastball than less spin and yeah and that, that's basically uh, what we're getting to right now is that because because the first half of the season was leading to these record amount of no hitters and the media was starting to take notice, it forced the MLB to switch the balls again halfway through the season <laughs> to back to the juice balls. <laughs> and. And people took notice, especially the pitchers, because especially because the pitchers were forced to not use foreign substances or banned substances again. Uh, so they were like, what the hell now? Now we're back to square one where they decided to implement the juice baller in 2017. And this whole mess, I guess, by the players was speculated that these balls were basically uh, – tampered with to affect free agency those years in 2017 and 2020 because in 2017 uh the next year a bunch of superstars were about to come free agents or something like that um oh no a bunch of pitchers that was the year garrett cole got signed 2017 so a bunch of pitchers were about to become free agents so they decided to uh fuck with their stats (laughs) and then the the last time they changed it, it was because a bunch of other good players, good hitters, like outfielders and stuff like that were about to come free agents. So they switched the ball to a worse ball. So their stats would get fucked up. And that's where the MLB players started speculating, like, are the owners like fucking with us? Are they, is there some sort of hidden agenda, blah, blah, blah. And the trust between the owners and the players is just like non-existent right now. Dang, that's crazy. And that's where we get into, um, well, where we are right now is like these negotiations should be over already, but they're not because I believe the players have legitimate proof that the owners and the MLB commissioner and stuff have been tampering with these balls to the point where the they are affecting these like contracts and ratings and stats and just like this type of tampering is going to lead to lawsuits and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. so the owners, I believe are scared of the players to the point where, you know, this is not going the way it's going because the players have like dirty secrets that <laughs> they want to expose. And the owners are like, well, what if I could give you what you want? <laughs> but the, the but the players aren't satisfied with what the owners are trying to give them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that the owners would do something like that, but that is just terrible. I feel like the owners should always care about ratings. 
more so than anything else. So they should want whatever ball allows or causes most people possible to watch. So if that is high scoring games, then they should always use the use the juice balls. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm all for you know leave the juice balls, let the pitchers use the substances, whatever to an extent, I guess. Because you know the players honestly argue that as long as the pitcher has con- more control of the bar ball, that's what they want. They don't want pitchers like having loose grips of the ball and having you know an 100 mile per hour fastball coming at your head, you know. <laughs> So that's it's like a whole like player safety argument that happened this year, and it's just a whole mess. Uh, but that's basically where the situation of baseball lies. Am I confident that baseball games will be played on March thirty first? No, but I have an honest feeling that they are just because the owners don't want to lose any more money. Uh, so this is just a whole like you know. They're just painting a picture for everyone. And it's really not going to get dirty until the next contract negotiation. Uh, So five years from now, uh, this one's 2021. So like 2026, I believe, is the next one. Um, So, yeah, 2026 is when we're going to see some nasty stuff. So all of the players' contracts are negotiated at the same time, or is this, this just the way that new contracts are structured? Yeah, this is basically the way new contracts would be structured. Uh, and, oh, another point I wanted to get to is that uh, the subcommittee for the Players Association is made up of a lot of, like, big-name players that are kind of on their way out. They've already made all their money that they could, you know. But – they're at a point where they kind of want to leave their legacy for the team I get, or for the, you know, for the players that are coming behind them. And they realize that this has been like a trend in the last few negotiations where the players in this subcommittee that were appointed to represent all the players, I guess, were kind of just like not in the best interest of all the players uh, because they were just kind of focused on getting out of the game and, you know, this is not really going to affect them. So why do they care? Uh, but like these players actually like give a fuck and actually want to like make a difference. You know, I believe uh, Corey Seager is one of them. Uh, Max Scherzer, Marcus Simeon, a uh, few to name a few. But um, these guys, I think, actually want to leave like a, like a difference. So they believe they have all the bargaining power right now. And they're going to try and make a move with it is all that's happening. But uh, the last little fun segment I wanted to get to is we're going to fix baseball. uh, Baseball extra time rules. All right. To make it so that they don't just play until eternity. Yeah, because that has got to stop. And uh, baseball has tried fixing it with, like, you know, putting a runner on second. But uh, that kind of sucks, too, because, like, that doesn't really – like, all you just need is, like, a hit to win the game, basically. (laughs) That runner scoring on a base hit, basically. But I had a few ideas that I wanted to get to, and I kind of, you know, I was inspired by, like, hockey shootouts, not going to (laughs) lie. 
Yeah, I do think that baseball does have some of the better overtime rules as far as a lot of sports go. I think football might be the absolute worst, or at least NFL football is the NFL, is the absolute worst. College yeah, especially is a lot better. Look, with baseball, I want to say it's like the most fair. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, it's definitely not the best way to do it, but <laughs> it's just way too boring. Well, who the fuck wants to see an extra game of baseball played if it comes to that? Like, no one. And, yeah, college football is lit. And that's where I'm also drawing my inspiration from, I guess. The college football standing. So, we're going to take a little bit from everything. Let's say, hell, you could even play two extra innings, like, to see if you could determine a winner in those two extra innings, you know? Play the 10th and play the 11th. And once you go to the 12th, this is where we'll get fucking nuts (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) so the away team sets their lineup three players in whatever order they want they could pick their three best players who gives a fuck they're gonna have to pick three other players if it comes to it but uh and then the other team puts in a pitcher, a reliever, a starter, whoever they want. Just someone on the mound, the defense, and these three hitters, right? The away team goes first. They obviously have to go through their three hitters. They're going to set the benchmark. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that they have to make it all the way to home, you know? They're going to go through those three hitters. If if they all strike out, the home team just has to get to first base. Get to first base. A walk would literally win the game. Now, if these three hitters somehow get on base, two hitters get on base, and the third hitter hits a two-run home run, uh, the the next time around, like the the home team would have to you know, either tie the two-run home run in a in a single way, <laughs> or or you know get a three-run home run by like walking the third hitter, and then that's when the like fourth hitter comes up and swings him home, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or I, I don't know where uh, this is where the intrinsencies intended or how did what's what's the word intricacies intricacies. Uh, I haven't really like kink these out yet but basically the essence is that the other team has to one-up the other team if so it is just like college football yeah so basically if these three hitters the visiting team only gets to second base like there's only a double blah 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 the game is to i guess third base if you get to third base you win the game or something like that (laughs) but if you don't if you get to second base, I guess it keeps going. If you don't get to second base, you lose the game, you know? Um, right. I think that would actually be a pretty good idea because a lot of the times with overtime, if the overtime isn't that different than the normal game, and even though the stakes are higher because it is down to the wire at that point, it's a little boring, Like especially like playoff hockey overtime is 
pretty boring because it is just an entire extra period and they just keep adding extra periods until they win. But that's so weird about it because they like, bro, the the three v three hockey and fucking the <laughs> in the regular season is lit. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, but um. they don't have that. I mean, that is it's great for getting them off the TV in a short amount of time so that the, the next team can play if they're playing multiple games on the same channel, as well as just making sure that everyone is still tuned in because it is a game that doesn't matter as much. Whereas if it is a playoff game, then it does matter more. So it, it makes sense that they do it the way that they do for hockey. But, yeah. And that's basically what I want to change is because right now, like, you know, you say, hey, the the A's and the Giants, for say, are going to extra innings. No one, no one's going to fucking stop what they're doing and go tune into that game. Like, they're not going to, like, live, like, yeah, like, who it could go on for another nine innings for all they know. Like, they're not going to stop what they're doing and just go watch. It's not must-see TV, you know? Versus, like, if they made the situations more, like, impactful and more, like, crunch time right away, you know, it would get, like, you know, you know, some people have even said, like, do a home run derby, which is not a good idea also. <laughs> um, but that would honestly get a lot more asses on the, like, the TV monitor if it came down to that. Like, if, <laughs> if fucking teams had a home run derby when the – fucking game was tied like <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but like yeah there's just like a lot of ways to do it and that was just like one way but i believe if if the mlb really wanted to do this right they would literally just get a good sample size of all the best mlb fans that they could find or MLB people, you know, people that have really like loved the game and have been surrounded by it. They could just like come up with a way to restructure the season or the playoffs to make it like fun. You know, if they really want to expand the playoffs, they could like at least come up with a good way to do it, you know? Right. Like why, like if these like below 500 teams are going to be making it into the playoffs, like they better like, do some amazing shit or have this amazing win streak to get into the playoffs or something like that. Like they like, like a playing tournament or something like that. Like the odds would have to be set against the worst team for them to like earn their right into the playoffs, you know? Of course. You don't get anything like you got with the, was it the NFC East? It was just like all the worst teams. The fucking... None of them had a winning record. Like the Eagles were the, were the ones that made it out. No, no, that was the Cowboys. Oh, it was the the. I think there were still the Redskins at that point who made oh. it to the playoffs at the yeah. nine record, and the Giants almost bro and they the bro and they ten record, and they almost beat the Super Bowl champs. <laughs> <laughs> bro, Heineke went off that game. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> the Tom Brady killer. <laughs> um, that's basically it for the MLB talk. I'm going to give a few uh, Champions League uh, talks or picks if you want to stick around for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I also have my own kind of idea about how I would fix NFL overtime rules. 
If that oh shit, let's go into that. Let's go into that. Yeah, because fucking the Bills and Chiefs was, that was the thing. The worst thing I've ever seen. Um, so crazy. I'm assuming you want to fix the coin toss. <laughs> well, or just the whole format, I guess. But <laughs> well, I had one idea that I thought could be a pretty good way to just change one small thing and keep everything else the same that would allow it to be to make it so that if you win the coin toss it's not obvious that you want the ball yeah and that would be to make it so that in overtime you can no longer punt so at that point if you're stuck in your own end zone basically and you can't get out and you turn it over on fourth down there, like you can't punt it there on fourth down. You have to go for it. And then the other team gets the ball right there and they can kick a field goal and win. So it would basically be uh, based on whichever like offense or defense is better. You would try to ride that like hot hand basically. Right. So like if you thought that your defense could get that stop and like you kick off to them, like you could win the coin toss and want to kick to them because you think that your defense can get that stop at the 20 yard line and they will not be able to get the ball down the field. They can't punt. And then Dude, it's just a field goal, right? There that would there. be so interesting because think of the chiefs and Bengals AFC championship game and how that game went to overtime. The chiefs won the coin toss and obviously decided to keep the ball because, you know, they're going first. They could score the touchdown. They could win the game. No questions asked. Like the last week, what happened with the bills game, they, they won the coin toss and won the game. But if you look at that game, the Bengals' defense was all over the Chiefs' offense that game, especially in the second half. I mean, uh, in the first half, God knows the Chiefs were fucking lighting that ass up. Uh, <laughs> um, but that, like bringing that up, the Chiefs would have picked to defer the ball. Because they knew that the Bengals' offense was fucking stopping, or the Bengals' defense was stopping their offense, so they would have rather put it in the hands of their defense, I guess. Because the like the Bengals, I mean, obviously they scored like you know what eleven points that half, but like that's that that's by no means like good. I guess they were also stopping them. I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, like if I were the Chiefs. Yeah, I would have much rather put it in the hands of my defense in that situation. Obviously, it's the playoffs, so they they probably would have still chose to like keep the ball, but yeah, like, like Mahomes. But in a sense, where like, dude, the Bengals defense was stopping everything they were doing, and in a sense, they intercepted the ball in that in that drive that they decided to keep the ball. So it was in a sense the right read uh, to defer the ball, but. Yeah, that's like it gives like an interesting perspective, and I'm sure there's a lot of interesting intricacies in there where you can make it more definitive, you know, like whether they want to defer or keep it. Because uh, obviously, if you keep the ball, you would still have the chance of winning the game. Yeah, because that actually that rule would not have changed the outcome of the Chiefs Bills game because the Chiefs still just got the ball and just drove down and the just field and scored. Two, yeah, it was. Damn, bro! The fact that they were able to get that fucking field goal off in 13 seconds is rigged. That was insane. The like, fact that the Bills didn't really. squib. Why didn't they squib the fucking kick or something? Like that would have at least drawn like four seconds off the clock. They should have just onside kicked. 
Honestly, that probably would have gotten more. They would not have expected that to happen. (laughs) (laughs) They would not have been ready. Bro, I play these situations all the time, and I swear I have better time management than some of the NFL coaches out there. Yeah, like literally, well played. Literally, literally, my literal job in the NFL would be time management coach, and I would literally just be there for time crunch situations where I would literally be analyzing the fourth quarter and just telling you this is when you should call a timeout, and this is where you should fucking do this and that and how you run the clock down and how because <laughs> i do that shit all the time in my game <laughs> i have this app called retro bowl retro bowl oh nice it's a pretty cool football game you should download it's like a not a side scroller but like you know i don't know it's it's pretty cool nifty uh but yeah i have the best time management situation awareness like in that game it's like I could be I could be up by one score and there's two minutes left in the fourth quarter and I'll run that bitch down. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> Bro, it gets to the point where I'm down by three points, right? I'm in the end like in my zone. It's the fourth quarter. I'm going for it. I'm making sure that by the time I get the touchdown, there's no time left on the clock. Like, even if I'm in my own 30, like, I'm running plays to just run down the clock until I'm, like, fucking in the end zone. And if I was, like, you know, let's say you were, like, first first and 10 on the 15. Most people would go for the touchdown, right? You know, like, oh, you're close to the end zone, right? It's a red zone, right? Nah, you go for that first down. You run down the fucking clock, and then you score the touchdown. Obviously, it's not guaranteed that you score the touchdown, but it's like you want to score the touchdown with the least amount of time possible. Right, you got to do – remember <laughs> Nick Chubb that one year? or It was like a few years ago where he got a breakaway run, and he ran all the way down the sideline, and there was like less than – or like about a minute left or so. Just fucking kneeled down. And he <laughs> ran out of bounds at the one-yard line right before he entered the end zone because he knew that – he had gotten the first down and with that they could just kneel out the rest of the clock so and they were already winning so it didn't matter but it just guaranteed that they won whereas if he had scored there would have been a very little but still possible chance that they could have lost but that's the thing it's like in these games you don't want to take that chance because there will always be that chance (laughs) yeah um and it's a thing in betting. It's a very common thing in betting, actually. Uh, where. Fuck, where was I going with this? There was like a good point I was going with. This actually happens a lot in the betting community. <laughs> Not taking a chance. You don't want any like risk of. Oh, well, but like. Oh, like overall, you know, if you like play these positive value plays, you'll eventually make money over time. Right. And like I would say, like closing a game out is like a positive value play that if you like don't play these positive value plays, you'll lose money because you're not taking the the highest advantage you could take, basically. So that losing money 
Like, obviously, you might still win that bet, but because you didn't take the highest advantage on that bet, there's a slight chance that you could still lose that bet where you could have taken the highest advantage and would have won that bet, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, in a sense, yeah, like, you you take these plays to close out the game because you don't want these scenarios where you could lose the game. (laughs) Right. Like, you just want to eliminate all... 13 (laughs) seconds left on the clock with Patrick Mahomes having the ball. Obviously, you're like, that's more than enough time. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck no, that. Bro, 13 seconds? What the fuck? (laughs) Ridiculous. People people have nutted faster. (laughs) It was like, oh, man, like... (laughs) Honestly, like... Talk about like impossibility. Like, imagine placing a bet right then that they would score and win the game, bro. You're telling me, uh, Man City was playing Tottenham this last weekend, right? Tottenham was plus plus nine hundred against Man City because Man City is the best team in the Premier League. Uh, Tottenham scores first in like the first ten minutes of the game. Uh, Man City ties the game in like the 40th minute. It's like 1-1 going into half. Nothing happens up until the 80th minute. Uh, Tottenham scores. They're up 2-1. They think they're going to win. Then they get a penalty in the 93rd minute. Uh, uh, um, And then Man City ties it 2-2, right? When, you know, at this point... Tottenham went up to plus 2,500 for a win because obviously the game's going to end in the tie with two minutes left. But uh, the game ends on a Harry Kane goal by Tottenham to win the game 3-2 to two when at, at, at points in the round they were plus 900 at the start of the game. They went up to plus 2,000 before they scored the, their goal. They were minus... Minus uh, 150 when they were up 1-0. They were plus 1,200 when Man City tied it 1-1 to win the game. Uh, When they won again, they were like minus 250. When Man City tied it, they went up to like plus 2,500. So if you were to like look at the graphs of like how are the odds of the team winning the game? It literally jumped from like 99% to like 99%. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, the, no, it didn't go 99% man cities. It went like 85% because when they tied it, uh, it was like 90, it was inferred that 90% chance that man city would have won that game. If the game was at a tie, uh, at one point, Man City had 90% possession in the first half. And, oh. yeah. Um, That's crazy. No, in the second half, before Tottenham scored their second goal, Man City had 90% possession. And we're, and we're losing that game. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having, being a team having 90% possession for... 60 odd minutes and losing 2 1. <laughs> Dang. But yeah, like the way that graph jumped, 
like crazy. <laughs> yeah, if you had placed your bets at the right time, then you would have made bank. You would have. You could have got both value on both sides if you bet it right, but. Like obviously, Man City still lost the game, but right. um, but Tottenham, man. I mean, like, get this: Tottenham was plus nine hundred, but Tottenham was four and one against Man City in their last five. Dang. Yeah, so it was like, like obviously the odds were based off of how hot the teams were doing, but like, obviously in a sense there was like a coaching trend there like i mean that's similar to the niners with the rams where the rams were like always favored to beat the niners even though the niners consistently would beat the rams except in the fucking playoffs they would have won that game if fucking bro why did jimmy g throw that interception jimmy g is the clutchest quarterback i know i think he's more clutch than most of the quarterbacks out there because when he came to the niners there was no one better than him in the two-minute drill. Like, literally, Tom Brady was, wasn't was on his level because, for some reason, Jimmy G would always have these throws. And, you know, it sucks that he got injured those, like, first two years he was on the Niners because fucking that year he went to the Super Bowl, they could have done that the first two years he was on the Niners. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all could have had, like, eight Super Bowls by now if he, if he was, like, healthy and shit. Right. Then the, the the main thing that I think took the Niners down was the dropped pick by uh, Tart. Like, that was so <laughs> painful. It was, like, right to him, just off his hands. No like, one near him. Literally, like, Stafford threw that ball to him. <laughs> like, I don't know if that would have changed the outcome, but it probably would have. I mean, if it would have if it would have gotten you guys one more score, yeah, it would have changed mm-hmm. the outcome. Cause man, like I really thought Jimmy G was about to do it on that comeback drive, but no, yeah. he decided to to steer into the meme. And then the refs were also just bad. Yeah, Naturally. I mean, don't even get me started with the Super Bowl, man. Like the that, Super Bowl refs were so bad. That was ridiculous. At least they were evenly bad. Like they were just. Totally I have bad a, against both teams. Bro, I like have a map. I have a map of how the game would have played out if the refing was I. But I don't have it on here. But anyways, uh, bro, get this. Get this. If if the Rams if the Rams didn't miss that extra point in the first half, the refs would have let that game go to overtime. Oh yeah. Argue how, against me. How would they have let it go to overtime? What would have been different? The deficit on that last Rams drive was four points because of that missed extra point. Now Oh yeah. If the deficit was three points and on that three and eight they didn't get the conversion, they were definitely in field goal range. The refs would have definitely let them kick that field goal. That holding call would have never been called. And you know, mm-hmm. they would have gone to overtime and decided to maybe let it let it decide there. But since the Rams were down by four, 
they had to guarantee something. And for the NFL to be in that situation, they would rather have the Rams win the Super Bowl than the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Why? Because the NFL invested $5 billion into this new stadium in Los Angeles where they relocated a new team. So they needed a way, two new teams. So they needed a way to build up a fan base for this new stadium to pay off. No, I completely (laughs) agree with that. And that's the same reason why they rigged the Saints versus Rams game uh, in the NFC Championship a few years back where it was the most clear pass interference penalty imaginable, and they didn't call it because they wanted the Rams to make the Super Bowl their first year in L.A. And then they couldn't let them win the Super Bowl at that point because that would just be ridiculously obvious after they rigged it there. So they – Ended up having one of the worst Super Bowls. It was just super boring. I think it was like the final score was like 10 to 6 or something for the Patriots. And Like, don't get me wrong. These playoffs in this Super Bowl were like really entertaining. And it was some of the like best football games that I've ever seen. But there will always be that like asterisk. asterisk uh, is that how you say it? A- yeah. Asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> I'm so asteroid. fucking drunk. <laughs> there will always be the asterisk about the refs and how, you know, there was always that like script agenda, you know? Like, like imagine placing your bet at the beginning of the season on the Rams just because the Super Bowl was in LA. Like, that's your only reasoning. And that's all the reasoning you need. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not going to go bet the Cardinals win the Super Bowl next year because the Super Bowl is in Arizona. But, like, yeah, like, in in terms of this year, the NFL really just wanted to plant a seed in L.A. for the Rams to kind of just, like, grow this fan base and now grow the Raiders fan base that lives there. Because, obviously, the Raiders fan base is old and, and, you know, and on their way out. Yeah, I think they do need to start making and if they're going to keep rigging these games like that, they need to make the Raiders in L- or in uh Las Vegas be more of a team that they can kind of get behind. Oh, and did you hear that the the 2026 Super Bowl is going to be hosted in London? What? Yeah. I had not heard that. That's crazy. So, so all the Super Bowls up until then are lined up. In 2026, they don't have it announced, but the NFL wants to expand to London and Germany (laughs) and play the Super Bowl that year out there. That's kind of strange to me that they would move the Super Bowl of all games to... But that's that's the year they're going to unveil their, like, you know, London and... German teams. I guess they're going to have like two teams out there. Uh, what? Yeah. This is coming very quickly in like the next two years. You're going to start seeing more and more talk about it in the media. I'm calling it right now. The NFL is putting two teams or maybe even a whole fucking division out in Europe. 
I don't know how well that would work because with travel, like the teams would have to travel so far. If Most like playing like regular games, uh, they want they want enough enough teams to justify a road trip to Europe, basically. Um, so you know how right now they they go and. I, I think a team they they stay there for like two weeks at a time or something like that, and they play two games out there, or something like oh, yeah. that. Um, that's how they did it this year, I believe. I I, I forgot how they did it, but uh, I thought they just had two games that were there that were just like random teams, and it's normally the bad teams that they send there. Like I think it was like Jacksonville versus no. Not they the, team. the teams that went to go play had their bye week the very next week after, so they had like an extended, I guess, like okay, week. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I was like, they want to put enough teams out there to well, there is enough of a fan base out there, I guess, to justify having teams out there, and I guess they just yeah, they want to have enough teams to justify teams going out there and playing, like, let's say, a three game like road trip or something like that because obviously teams you know are away for you know three four weeks at a time sometimes so they're like why not just do that in london or in germany too i'm surprised they wouldn't expand to mexico first Mm. i mean they do play games there but like that's also one of the big markets that they want but like that's a lot more justifiable for like the west coast teams i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean like i know they've had games in mexico city which is even crazier than having games in denver with how low the air pressure is at their elevation the kickers yeah. can just hit them from so far 70 yard field goals yeah no problem <laughs> <laughs> bro like if i was a coach and i knew i was fucking you know coaching in one of these stadiums i would literally just try to go for the record <laughs> <laughs> Like, just calculate, get up to whatever you need for the record, take a kneel down, like, so get up to... the first quarter. Yeah. Like, like 70 (laughs) yards on the third down. (laughs) Oh, man. Fun times. I would be a great NFL coach. (laughs) (laughs) Your team's like 2 and 15. (laughs) <laughs> but I'd have great clock management. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all Honestly, man, all, like all you just need is your like OC and DC and like you're good. You don't even got to make any of the decisions. <laughs> you just have them do all the work. Who's <laughs> the mediator between them? I'll have you as both. And then you just like tell me what to call. <laughs> and I'll just be there for the time crunch situation. <laughs> You just run out of the field. Time out, time out. <laughs> man. All right, man. It's It's been good. This has been a good episode. Uh, I'll put this out probably tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. Thank you for sticking with me on that crazy yeah. baseball talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, I'll probably have you on sometime uh, once, I don't know, once NFL season starts again or something. Sounds good. (laughs) But yeah, uh, it's been good, man. Take care. All right, you too.